Hello, hello. Welcome back. It's another episode of the War on 94 podcast. It's Frank. It's Evan. It is Wednesday night in the beautiful cities of Chicago and Milwaukee. And Evan, how are we feeling? I'm feeling fantastic. As you said, Wednesday night, coming off a super wild card weekend where the Browns won a wild card game and are in the next round of the playoffs for the first time in my 26 years of existence on this earth. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. So happy to be here. Um, Yeah. I mean, did you ever think you'd be here? Did you think you'd be here at this point in your life? I can't say I expected it this year. I, you know, I think I walked into this season um, with, uh, as a Browns fan with the expectation of, of like like to me the the mark of a good season after what last year was and a new coach again and all that bullshit was um was a nine and seven season so above 500 season and fighting for a wild card spot and that was before they expanded to to the seven team play mat play playing format and then right. I said, once, they, once they expanded to seven teams it's like okay well now you really need to be fighting for one so it's like i'm not going to say like it you know it's a young team and experience like it'd be their first journey I didn't know what Kevin Spansky was. So um, I would have said, you know, at that point, that nine and seven and just missing, who knows what the AFC shapes have to be. It's a lot of young competitive teams, as you're seeing now. Mm-hmm. Baker Mayfield's the oldest quarterback left in, in the in the postseason by in the, and the AFC side by six months. Yeah. So it's like an insanely young and competitive group. And it's going to be so fun to watch. But mm-hmm. I, you didn't know how the Browns were going to stack up against that. And it turns out they stacked up pretty well. And they, you know, not only – exceeded that nine and seven they finished 11 and five they're in the playoff hunt in, in not even in the hunt they're in the playoffs they're in the playoff in the divisional round they won a game in. yeah you won a game and then now you get to face the super bowl defending champions so yeah um well, yeah let's not get too much more into it let's let's get to our first segment the yeah, best thing I didn't all really, week <laughs> didn't really leave much room there to no you, what, what, what more are you gonna talk about let's let's do the best thing we saw all week evan start us off i mean obviously you're already you're already rolling <laughs> Keep it going. I mean, Browns. it's what I've talked about all week. It's just so fun. We fucking beat the Steelers in Heinz Field for the first time since 2003, and it was in the playoff game. I mean, everybody that was the metric that that everybody was like, um, you, the Browns are back once they beat the Steelers, right? Like that's the big thing. That's Big Brother. That's the oldest rivalry in all of football, almost. Not not quite. Bat, pair, Bears. No, but Easy. it's an old one. It's an old yeah, and destroyed yeah, yeah. rivalry. Sure. The Steelers fans, as of recently and understandably so, haven't viewed it as much. But the Browns have always been sitting there like, I ah, got boys down in Pittsburgh. Like, it, you hate to see them. It just, they wave those annoying freaking towels all the time. Like, you know, always. So anytime we even get a chance to sniff a win, which we have a few times, it's always yeah. been at a Brown Stadium, but we have beat them a few times. <laughs> it's great. All time record Ben Roethlisberger versus the Cleveland Browns. Any ideas what it might be? Uh, no, but I do know that this year was the first year in Ben Roethlisberger's career that he was no longer the winningest QB in <laughs> first energy stadium history. That's it's now Baker Mayfield. has got more wins than anybody. But yeah, um, uh, what was, what's, the, what's the record? Overall record, 24-2-1. and one. Yep. And sadly, one of those twos is what's going to knock him out of the damn, the, the damn league. Not yeah. sadly. Go, get out of here. You're 40 years yeah. old. You're going to cost $40 million next year. Get out of here. He's a fuck anyway, so whatever he yeah. can go, he can go. I don't I don't mind that. We we uh, do we do be explicit on this podcast, but some of the nicknames that Clevelanders and anybody in the league has for him can should probably not be said in this podcast. <laughs> we can talk about that off air. Yeah, exactly. Um, but I mean, 
give me some of your some of your favorite moments from the game. Let's keep it. Let's keep it brief. Oh you know, this isn't the Cleveland game. Brown. This isn't the Cleveland Browns cast. But, uh, we <laughs> I can mean, get into it a little bit. The I just it was. I, there's there's not one moment I can pick because it just was incredible from start to finish. Um, I mean, you you start with the the miscue, which I've seen happen on to the Browns plenty of times with stupid shit like that. And you're like, well, we're already fucking down seven nothing. Here we go. Um, and and this time it worked in our favor. You know, an immediate touchdown. I think the Browns led for 54 minutes of the entire game, um, which is. I mean, that's the most I've ever seen them lead a game ever. Like, that's just straight domination. Um, and and it's just, there's so many storylines. It, it was the, you know, just the continued interceptions by Roethlisberger. Not all necessarily his fault. Some were very bad throws. Some were just tipped balls, which is a, that's signs of a good and aggressive defense. So love mm-hmm. to see that. Um, you had Chubb and Hunt running like crazy, as they tend to do. You had Landry. I, I don't think I've ever seen him run that fast. I mean, that was a, he's... He's been like the quintessential leader. If you go back and remember the speech on hard knocks that, um, and that, I mean, that's, that's the zero, zero, zero point of this transition and turnaround for the Browns um, is him. He's like, he's literally a guy that I want to see retire in orange and Brown. Cause he, he means so much to these past three years and what's happened mm. to this team. And I, yeah, I, there's, there's not one moment I can pick out. You And then you go to the end of the game, Ben sitting there like, borderline in tears on the sideline you know i never like to see anybody in tears but it's also been like whatever and then also the the steelers wide receiver is acting all butthurt and continuing to get mad oh. about it the next week did you see claypool chase Clay- yeah chase claypool is not shut up about it they're gonna get clapped next week yeah okay yeah. have fun watching right. from your couch yeah i don't care if we get clapped we got past you yeah why don't and, you go and honestly we go might not twitch buddy yeah exactly we might not get clapped like it's yeah. it's not it, like everyone thought we were gonna get clapped against the Steelers look like we put up 49 points on them it's not out of the realm of possibilities here how about the the Browns in the locker room after the game dancing Corvette Corvette uh to a little little nod to Juju and his you know antics all season that was great the best was Jedrick Wills who takes the most awkward selfies of all time he just posts on his Instagram story with this big old bean head and he's like Corvette Corvette this MF and he like I think he even tagged Juju (laughs) (laughs) and it's just like I love it like yeah I'm it's it's, there's a certain line to walk I mean we uh, get into another storyline of the wild card weekend as the Ravens Titans thing which everybody's discussing that one I don't like because it was right on the field like that is totally disrespectful love it I, fuck it who cares it's the playoffs they they beat them last year they had everything they had every right to go out there and do that well, and I you mean, go back to the storyline of rules it's all that bullshit i mean whatever just go out there and 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 you know you beat them on their home field dance do your thing like i don't give a shit i hear it I, I i'm not you're not you're you're not wrong i understand what you're saying i just think i just think there's a and not and i don't want to be like, yeah now i'm gonna sound all old-timey as you said that there's yeah. not a time and place but like there is a time and place you know like keep that shit in your locker room. Dance to all you want. Go stomp on the carpet logo that's probably in their locker room. Do whatever the fuck you want there. But I, I don't Where's know. The fun in that? Anyways, Where's digress. The fun in we're that? getting we're talking about games that aren't even relevant to us. Where's the Browns the won a playoff that? game against the Steelers. I couldn't be more thrilled. Um, yeah, that's that's pretty much my high for the week. Yes, very Normally happy I'd for say you. The, the Packers are the team to counter or to counteract my Browns sadness. <laughs> Um, I can't say that anymore because they're both alive in the second round of the yeah. playoffs, and I've, I don't even know what to do with my hands. So I think I need, I think I need a team like that. Yeah. Um, hey, I just named two good candidates. 
pass. Um, let's, <laughs> Even on let's, the Browns? Come on let's now. Move, let's move on to my best hey, thing best I saw thing all week. <laughs> that would be uh, the first of its kind that happened on Sunday, and that is the Nickelodeon broadcast of the Bears-Saints game. While it was a terrible game, and I will certainly be getting more into that, <laughs> it was a very cool experience for a lot of people who – Probably don't normally watch the NFL, especially kids. A good way to get them involved. Some of the <laughs> comparisons they were making between uh, players and characters from Nickelodeon shows. I mean, it was it was hilarious. Uh, they 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 compared Mitch Trubisky to some kid named Luther Loud. I don't know who the, they, they they said <laughs> Trubisky th- has thrown to ten has thrown touchdowns to ten different receivers this year or something like that. And then it was. Luther Loud has 10 siblings. It's it's amazing. Then they had young Sheldon out there explaining rules, explaining flags, penalties when they came up, that little piece of shit. Dynamic Runner, duo like, was great too. <laughs> yeah. You, liked, oh, the dynamic duo with Patrick and SpongeBob, that was funny. Yeah. yeah. I liked the the um the young Sheldon bit. If anybody watches Big Bang Theory, there's a little inside joke where they were Leonard, I mean they're all obviously uber nerds, but Leonard one time was trying to figure out how to watch football because the girl he was dating at the dating Penny, the main, the main love interest of the show. And, and obviously a big character in the show, but that's the kind of the whole storyline revolves around Leonard and Penny's relationship. Um, and he was trying to get into football and they, he turned on a football game and Sheldon starts explaining all the rules out of nowhere. Cause his dad, who is a tech, he born and raised in Texas had just made him sit and watch Sunday all the time. And so the, the, his, his weird, like obsessive understanding of football comes up a lot to the show. So I kind of thought that was funny, but it's all just funny and clown. Um, I think the one thing was weird was the, the 3d SpongeBob, like <laughs> talk oh, about yeah. terrifying. <laughs> the slime in the end zone after the touchdowns. Gorgeous. Ama- amazing. Amazing. <laughs> and of course we can't, we cannot forget the fact that Mitch Trubisky became the first ever MVP. That is the Nickelodeon valuable player voted on by the fans in an absolute wash. He crushed the field. They were trying to not give it to him also. They were trying to give it to Drew Brees at the end of the game, but the fans were demanding it. Twitter was going crazy. He was trending. Mitch Trubisky was trending on Twitter for the MVP. It's, oh man. I mean, that's, everyone was laughing at us, you know, which I will get into, but I mean, the Nickelodeon broadcast, I hope they do more in the future. It was a cool little wrinkle and, uh, you know, something something a little different because sometimes the NFL broadcasting get a, a little boring. Yeah, I, well, as, I, looked, actually, I saw a lot of comments that were really cool, especially coming from like adults with young kids. Like there was um, a bunch of dads saying like that their daughters and sons watched it for like the first time, like watch football, like for at least a quarter. Mm-hmm. And they had never gotten to do that. Like a, a three-year-old or a four-year-old or a six-year-old is sitting down watching a football game. <clears throat> and they, you know, trying to get that father son bun like might pretend to be interested, but it's, it's hard as you're that young age to absorb a football game. I don't think I truly got into it until like 10 or 12, 14. Oh, somewhere same there. for sure. Um, you know, I, I knew football was happening, but it wasn't the same level as now, obviously, and all the rules and stoppages and commercials and, but it put it at a level that was entertaining and or attractive to a younger kid. And they got, um, there was 31 total million viewer TVs tuned into that across the country. Of the game, not not just so twenty eight of those were on CBS. I was that's a big chunk, but that means mm-hmm. a total two and a half million TV sets or households were tuned into Nickelodeon, which is, 
I mean, that's that's huge. When's, like that is when's the last time. time two million people were tuned into one thing on Nickelodeon. I mean, yeah, exactly. They probably never hit that rating in their entire yeah, life. And also, right. Nick Burleson should absolutely start to go into color commentary. He's a, he's a really good, yeah, he's a really good announcer. I think he was he was a great little buffer between Noah Eagle. Obviously, is like very talented, and he's the son of Ian Eagle, as everybody knows, the great great broadcaster for basketball and, and uh, NFL and all those things. And then you had a Nickelodeon actress um, whose name I am forgetting Gabby something. I think it was. And she was kind of like the, the, the fun one in the group. She was sort of the, the one who didn't know what the hell was going on. So she just kind of yelled out Epic and Whoa, as much as many times as she could. And then you had Nate sort of bridging between the two and being that one who could explain things. My favorite part though, had to be when, Cordell Patterson dropped an F-bomb yeah. on the field. First F-bomb and Nate Burleson was like, whoa, <laughs> trying to cover it up. It was fantastic. Uh, so, I mean, cool experience. I definitely was not sitting there watching it because I could not sit there and watch that terrible game with Nickelodeon slime being sprayed all over uh, Alvin Kamara and Drew Brees. But, you know, for those who did tune in and for, the, for what I saw, it was it was pretty cool. Now that we've talked about the fun parts of the game, let's talk about the rest of the game. <laughs> Wait, I, the I, actual parts of the game. How much? I actually want to ask you this: How much more upset or 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 frustrated would you have been with SpongeBob staring you down for every field goal if Cody Parkey was behind the sticks? <laughs> I was thinking the same thing. Like if that had happened with SpongeBob as the net versus you know just the regular old like the one they have on NBC or whatever. I mean, it would have been a meme forever it would have lived on the internet for the rest of time and it would have been a little bit better i love spongebob (laughs) i love (laughs) as it hits both uprights yeah oh Oh, man um but let's get into the the specifics and how much i hate real going (laughs) how much i hate the fucking chicago bears it our first episode title you can go back fool's gold fool's gold this whole season was fool's gold. I mean, these these guys never stood a chance to to really make any sort of impact in the playoffs. They are a team with filled with holes, filled with guys who are not there for the right reasons. I mean, Anthony Miller, Javon Wims, you can see your way out. The drop pass by Javon Wims is totally inexcusable, especially when we're missing a guy like Darnell Mooney. The fact that he goes out there and drops – the best pass that Mitch Trubisky has ever made in his career that, I mean, it it completely changed the entire tone of the game and the bears became completely flaccid to put it, to put it the best way possible. The offense just had nothing left to give out. That was the entire playbook laid out. It was ran to perfection and Trubisky steps up and makes a perfect throw, dropped it in the breadbasket, left it right in the perfect spot, outstretched arms of Marshawn Lattimore, there's Javon Wims, and he just elbows in. Elbows in. This is why you don't. This is why you don't play. This is why you're usually left for the special teams because it's it's criminal that that was our number three receiver on Sunday. Criminal. And then we saw. And then I mentioned Anthony Miller. You can see your way out, pal. I mean, second round pick. Yeah. Has not done shit since 2018. His rookie season continues to get these opportunities was told on multiple occasions that C.J. Gardner-Johnson, the same guy who got Javon Wims to punch him in the face back in week eight, 
was going to do this exact same thing. They knew he was an agitator. They they had a, a meeting specifically to tell the players, do not react when he comes at you. Do not say anything. Don't don't engage with him. It's like the it's like when your mom you're going home you're going back to school and you you keep getting bullied and your mom's like just just ignore him. Let it brush off of you. Blah blah. You know what whatever moms say. And Anthony Miller just couldn't hold it and punched punches him in the face and gets ejected. You're already being outperformed the entire season by a fifth round pick. And now you've probably lost your spot on the roster, or at least you should, because that's totally inexcusable. And to do that in a playoff game, when we're already down our our second best wide receiver, you deserve to be unemployed. A 15 minute meeting. They had specifically about one cornerback, and it wasn't even about what that corner offers on the field as a good player. It was he will piss you off and get under your skin. Let him does. do it and ignore him, and he, he couldn't do that. He did it to Javon Wims. He did it now. He did it to Anthony Miller, and he, he did, did it to Michael. Miller. He did it to Michael Thomas, his own his own. Uh, oh yeah, he's got in practice. Thomas he got him to it. He mm-hmm. had, he punched him, and Thomas got suspended. And, I mean, he even does it to his own teammates. The man has. He lives rent free in Hallis Hall. He is <laughs> there as long as he wants because he is squarely in the Bears' heads. Well, and to be fair, like that is, I mean, there have been some great cornerbacks who play that way. That is part of the position. You think about sure. some of the smack talkers. You know, I mean, the first one that comes to mind is Richard Sherman. Created yeah. a whole beef about um, shaking Baker, not shaking her, shaking Baker Mayfield's hand last year, and mm-hmm. that's not even Darrell go back Revis. to. So, yeah, Revis is a great talker. Uh, Josh you Norman, know, incredible. Uh, yeah, mm-hmm. Josh Norman lives rent free in Odell's head, probably still mm-hmm. to this day. Still, like, I, like all of, all the credit to him, but like you cannot as a receiver do that. Like, no, it's too. It's it's we've seen it too many times. You can't let that happen. No, and then you see the consequences. You're the guy who reacts. And you're the one who gets ejected, and then we're down a guy. They always twice. catch the second guy. They never, every they time, may not ever catch the first guy. The they first. always catch the second guy. Whoever, re, whoever retaliates is the one who's getting in trouble. And we saw it with Cole Komet, which was an absolute dog shit, unsportsmanlike conduct penalty, may I say? That little football, that little toss of the ball that Cole Komet had at Marshawn Lattimore. But we got the 15 yard penalty to the ref. Yeah, 15 yard penalty knocked us back out of field goal range. You know, we didn't score, of course, but overall, I mean, overall, one of my keys to the game, looking back at the last episode, was to take the handcuffs off Mitch. He wasn't even just handcuffed; he was shackled. His legs were his legs were together, his hands were together. He was walking. Uh, I mean, just there was nothing. There was no no creativity outside of the one play we I just talked about that that little reverse double pass, whatever it was to Javon yeah, Williams. Yeah, thicker. Right. I mean, other than that, there was no creativity, no enthusiasm, no spark that came in any way. David Montgomery couldn't get it going. Allen Robinson was barely there. Shut down. (laughs) Outside of the last drive, which is the Bears. I mean, the Bears should play every game like they're in garbage time. Honestly, (laughs) they should play every game like it's two-minute drill and they're down 18. If only the defense has got that memo too. <laughs> Seriously, because they just they just cruise down the field every time, score a touchdown. They love to score in garbage time. I mean, that's Mitch Trubisky. That's when he shines. Jimmy Graham made a hell of a catch, and he walked off the field as he should because that game was pitiful, absolutely abysmal. Nothing good came out of it. And yet here we go again. We're running it back. I don't know. What, what, what did you see on Sunday that would have told you that we should run it back? 
as a literally non, nothing as a non-fan yeah i mean literally uh, nothing and and it, and it goes even down to a guy who i've stood up for and probably shouldn't anymore in mitch trubisky because as i've heard many pundits say this week there's been there's a lot of things and and i i think part of the game i mean no matter what team you are there's better there's teams that probably can bounce back better than the bears did but when you have a play that works to absolute perfection and someone lets you down like that like that's a deflator that's a punch in the fucking gut so it's understandable that for a drive or two that they're going to not be themselves, but right. they just could never recover. And that's a mm-hmm. different issue altogether. It's just, it's it's just inexcusable from top to bottom. I mean, and then top is, is pace. It's Nagy. It's Trubisky. Why the hell are you running out of bounds on a fourth down and four? I saw Baker sell out on a third and 10 and you couldn't even get four yards on fourth down before deciding, Oh, I'm going to dive out of bounds to save mm-hmm. what the seven mil you're going to make next year by being a backup somewhere. Yeah. Like it's chicken, just chicken it's, shit it's football. shameful. And, and, and I'm getting angry as a, as a Packers fan. I think it's cute to sit and watch all these bears just bumble mm-hmm. around like this, but it's like at the same time, we've seen mediocre football and watching a mediocre team isn't fun. Yeah, sure. As a, as a fan of the Packers, it's nice to look at the schedule and go, well, that's two wins right there. Cause it, but like, I don't want that. I want to be mad at bears fan at bear, the bears for being a tough team to play. I want to go back to the stage where you guys sat for one game and won the division in in Soldier Field two years ago over the Packers. To be fair, no Aaron Rodgers on that Packers team. He was out with a collarbone or some other injury. But I want right, to be. Right. I want the rivalry. Like what the like? It's just. It's no. Mm-hmm. It's. Uh, I want I the rivalry. I want good Wait, football, babe. no matter who you are. Like nobody deserves to watch bad football, and I, this Bears team is is forcing you to watch. Bad football. Yeah, sure. They've made the playoffs two of the last three seasons. Yeah, sure. They're one or two games below 500 over that three game stretch. But with the defense you have, you should be 30 and 10 or, or whatever mm-hmm. that equates to. Over we should be consistently winning 10 games. We're totally, yeah. we're, we are wasting this defense more than any team maybe has ever wasted a defensive unit with the names on this team. I mean, Mac, Hicks, Goldman, Roquan Smith, Danny Trevathan, Robert Quinn, Kyle I- Fuller. Eddie Jackson, that's eight guys I just named right there who are all all pro or pro bowl type of players. I mean, these guys against it now. Now you have four guys tied up with a fuck ton of money and 35 free agents next year and nothing to pay them with. Like it's it's literally you're two years behind in the timeline of where the Houston Texans are now and 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 some bad trades. Let's be real. But I wouldn't put it past pace to make those trades. He's a dumbass. So he's an idiot. He continued and and let's I mean, I don't really have much to say about the game. It was hard to watch, painful, embarrassing. Another game on national television where the Bears just get absolutely destroyed and everyone just cracks jokes and <laughs> mockingly makes Mitch Trubisky the MVP of the game and all this bullshit. So I don't even want to talk about that. Let's move on to the press conference that was held. Yeah. This morning, one even had, more enjoyable topic. It's an even more embarrassing part of the Bears organization, which is the the front office. Uh, the the three Stooges, the four Stooges, I should say, of George McCaskey, the chairman, Ted Phillips, the president and CEO of the team. We have Ryan Pace, who is the general manager, and of course Matt Nagy, the head football coach of the Chicago Bears. And 
we I are think four stooges is good enough i think it's the four horsemen of the bears apocalypse i think that's about i like that <laughs> yeah i definitely like that because that's what this season this 2021 <sighs> 2022 season feels like is yeah the bears reckoning <laughs> mm-hmm. we and we don't even here's another thing that that annoys the hell out of me we don't even know how long matt Nagy and ryan pace are really under contract how how crazy is that i mean okay they Nagy has one on, or two years left yes okay when he signed he signed a five-year deal which is pretty which is par for the course for most coaches yeah. these this, mm-hmm. these days so through 2022 now ryan pace has been around this will be his eighth season i believe going into next year he signed an extension um i think the year after they they signed john fox to be the head coach that was about four years ago through 20 so it's from 2017 it was he signed it in the 2017 season it was supposed to be through 2021 but now there are bears insiders saying that the team might have restructured the contract to extend him into 2022 without really anyone knowing so it's kind of just kind of low-key known that Ryan Pace is under contract for not just next season, but but the following season after that. He has had one winning season, one record over 500 in his time as a Bears head coach. Now, now, granted, the first three seasons where he was the the general manager, we were in the shitter. We were rebuilding. John Fox came in as the as the janitor to swap up the mess and try to put together a. Uh, an average football team. And we, we fell into the top 10, I think every single season in the NFL draft, he hired Matt Nagy, which obviously started out like a, like, you know, red hot 12 wins. No one expected it. Playoffs division title, the works. We saw how that ended 2018 wildcard weekend. I don't need to talk about it, but here's the thing is the bears are still talking about it. The right. Bears are still the Bears are yeah. still talking about that 2018 loss to the Eagles. And you know what? We need to get the fuck over it because it's not changing. Nothing's going to change unless you move forward. It's unbelievable that we are still talking about Cody Parkey and the fucking double doink in a press conference in 2021. Are you fucking kidding me? Get yeah. the hell over it. The fans are allowed to. The fans yes, are absolutely allowed that's, to. That's but fine. The team should not be based. Yeah, of course. You were unlucky, right? That's, yes, that was, has happened terrible ever. luck. And we shouldn't have even been in that situation. We should have won that game mm-hmm. easily. We were a much better football team than the Eagles. We should have put that game away. I could go on and on about that one. It's passed. And you know what? I've accepted the fact that the Bears lost that game. We blew our chance to turn that team into a Super Bowl champion or even – an NFC championship game appearance, anything like that. We're past it. And I'm fine with it at this point, but the fact that we're still talking about it today, we're bringing it up at this press conference. It's just, it's mind numbing. Like get the fuck over it. What, what, what are you, what are you getting out of this? It's like, it's like self-sabotage or like self-loathing, like knock it off. I don't know how else to say it, but no, absolutely. With the fact that we're sitting here telling billionaires how to conduct themselves is, is telling them all the things. And, and you're absolutely right. Like, it's just, you know, the the constant, well, we made the playoffs, so we're okay. And, and, and don't want to don't get too far down the track here because you're getting to it. But, well, we, you know, the just the quotes that came out of this press conference. Oh, let's, just, let's, let's go over some of these. Yeah, because uh, I'm going to jump into the Phillips quote here. Lights, whatever you know, it may be. Yeah, give me the got, Phillips quote. Have we got the QB situation right? No. Have we won enough games? No. But everything else is there. Okay. What is everything else? You have 
two playoff appearances and fans are still paying for tickets because clearly that's all you care about. Like, yeah, I mean, the only joke and, right. and and the pace thing is bad enough that he only has one winning season, but you mentioned it like the rebuilds, like that's an excuse, right? That's not an, it's an, not an excuse. It's a pass. Like, it's a built, it's a built in excuse is what it is. It's, yeah. But it's a little bit of a pass. When you inherit a team who's, who's bare bones, you have to build up, right? It was the same thing. And actually, you know, I, I, I go back to the Browns who just had a rebuilding process. They shouldn't have hired Sashi or shouldn't have fired Sashi Brown when they did. Um, I don't think I think I think the move from him to John Dorsey was a bad move. Um, it it helped. It got us Baker Mayfield. It got us other right. players. Eventually, actually. yeah, eventually worked. But out. but it wasn't a good move at the time, and I don't think it still is a good move. I think if Sashi could have gotten us similar things, but he was fired because of lack of results. Lack of results when you're in a rebuild session is expected. You're not supposed to win. Like you have to rebuild, and that's the thing that the NFL and all these leagues have allowed is it is it is this tank and rebuild process. You see it every year. There's two or three teams that are trying to fight for that those high picks. They're they're fucking bumming it with, you know, one two three wins per twelve or basically, you know. Mm-hmm. Sure. It, but but when you the the biggest thing and the biggest thing that it, you know people have said this time and time again. I've tried to ignore it because I still thought he was good, but you can't ignore it anymore. When you trade up all those assets to switch to number two and you pick a guy and you plant a flag on the ground and say, this is our franchise guy. And it turns out to be what Mitch Trubisky has been. You deserve to be fired. You, you lost, you lose. Good day, sir. Good day, sir. Yeah. It's, it's over. Like there's, you don't get a second chance. Like Mm -hmm. you put, you put the franchise back five years easily by one move because those picks are critical for depth, especially in this league. It's a seven round draft. And you look, obviously, yes, we, we've fallen over the top two picks in those first two, two or three days and everybody by day three tunes out. But those picks that you traded to get all these guys, get Mac, get Trubisky, get the list goes on and on. There's so many picks that have just been traded and kicked down the curb. And this is the first year. I think you finally have a, a, a full chest of seven draft picks in yeah. three drafts. Yeah. And what happened? Exactly what you anticipated. You didn't get a guy who can cover for those mistakes, a la Deshaun Watson, a la Patrick Mahomes, a la any other quarterback that's been drafted in the past three seasons that's not Mitchell Trubisky. Mm-hmm. Or you could throw Sam Darnold in there, but I – Sure, would, but I, would I mean there's, there's, there's exceptions to the rule, but the fact that those two guys that we named, Watson and Mahomes, they'll – I mean they'll forever be linked – with the Chicago Bears and the ineptitude of this front office and yeah. the ineptitude of Ryan Pace and his inability to make good football decisions, which is his entire yeah. job. And 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 George McCaskey and Ted Phillips came out and said, clear as day, listen, we're not – the fact that people think that we're involved in the football operations side of things is absurd, they said. So that means all these decisions are Ryan Pace and Ryan Pace alone. So I don't know how you're watching – What's going on on the football side of your football team and think this is what we need. This is the guy who should be in charge with his million dollar haircut and his fucking 10 cent smile. And the fact that he's going out there every year making the same old mistakes while he had. And I will say, I will give him credit. He has found some gems in the later rounds. He has found Darnell Mooney. He has found Eddie Jackson. He has found other people, but it does None not matter when you it doesn't matter if we're not winning. It doesn't mm-hmm. fucking matter if we're Actually, not winning. Exactly. He's he's been fine, right? Yes. 
And if he didn't trade anything and just picked what fell to him, which he kind of has, you know, he's been good with it and listened to his scouting department. But it seemed like when Trubisky was picked, they fully ignored everything else that had to do with Mahomes and Watson. Mahomes, I will still give a I, little a little bit of agree. pass. On There's a bit of a pass because he was yeah. he was an upside pick. He yes. was he was you know, but you've seen if you have the right program in place, an upside pick turns out Mahomes, Josh Allen, right? Those are two yes. names where upside picks turn out. But Deshaun Watson was not an upside pick. That was everyone known knew how Deshaun was two-time Heisman finalist, national champion, beat Alabama in the national championship. How often does that happen? There's one other guy who's beaten Alabama in the last seven years, and that is the guy who's going to be number one pick this year. Exactly. Yeah. Yep. So that doesn't happen very often. And the fact that you can look at Mitch Trubisky, who played 13 games total in his college career, and Deshaun Watson, who put together four years of three losses, three losses as a starter at Clemson, a top-tier program in the NCAA, one of two or three top-tier programs in the NCAA, and the fact that you can look at those resumes and pick the guy who drives the 1997 Ford Focus because you like his grittiness and his ability to be gritty or whatever the fuck. He was, he was a scout yeah. That's what he was. Yeah. So there's some, some bunch of scout sauce. And I know that. people loved him. I know I know Mel Kuyper loved him. Todd McShay both had them in the, as the top quarterback in their draft. But the fact that you trade up one pick, I mean, John Lynch and the San Francisco 49ers totally – fleeced us and turn and and really set the dominoes in motion for what this has become and this is this is what this is what john lynch did when he got off the phone with 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 pace that night he he said you're not gonna fucking believe this you're not gonna believe what he just did yeah. <laughs> like like all that shit for one pick for mitch fucking trubisky mitchell he doesn't even like to be called mitch I mitchell even, i you know it's not well, yeah. It's yeah. For all that shit from Mitchell Trubisky, you're right. Because if he took if he took Watson with that shit, he'd be, he'd be yeah. If he moved up, him take, as the next, moved up one spot, coming of Watson, Jesus, right? Everyone, <laughs> people would have been mad to begin with, and people definitely had their 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 flaws, all their flaws with with Watson, and as they do with every quarterback who comes out of college football into the NFL, there are going to be flaws, there are going to be growing pains, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. But the guy was a proven winner, and he, he's shown it since. Obviously, he's not on a team that's putting him in the best position, but he still is going out there, leading the league in passing yards, putting up you know, 35 total touchdowns. If a Bears quarterback went out there and scored 30 touchdowns, that's never happened before. I was talking to you about that beforehand. That's never happened before. And if, I mean, if Deshaun Watson is the quarterback of the Chicago Bears, we're looking at Super Bowl contenders year in, year out. With the weapons we have, with the defense we have, I digress. It hurts, it hurts doesn't I, it? I digress. It hurts a lot. So, I mean, the one thing I can say is that the McCaskies, while they continue to run this organization, we're going to get nothing done. We're yeah. just going to keep. We're going to keep uh, laying back and uh, allowing ourselves to be uh, ten. You know, ten to between ten, six and ten wins. Um, We'll get, you know, we'll hit six wins. We'll fire our coach. He'll he'll put together a nine, ten win season. We'll extend him. Then we'll do the cycle all over again until Virginia McCaskey eventually Virginia McCaskey eventually dies, and then hopefully her bumbling sons can let go of their their positions and bring in some actual competent football minds but, to do. Conversely, they might be so bumbling enough that they think that they're doing well, because I really think. So the the two things that have been glaring to me, 
I really think the McCaskies are planting their flag in the fact that there's been two playoff appearances in three years, mm-hmm. even though oh, you've definitely. lost both of them. Like they're for sure sitting there going, well, we're, we're doing okay. We made the playoffs. Right? Playoff. It's, yeah. it's, it's the baseball approach. We're doing okay. We sell money. We're, we're the bears. You know, we sell mm-hmm. tickets. We make money. We oh. make the playoffs. It's okay. And it's, and the thing about the bears is it's a brand. The bears are a brand. They yeah, are oh, absolutely. 85 bears. I mean, that's one of the most famous NFL teams in the history of sports and they have continued to live off that brand for the last 35 years. Yeah. And they will continue to do that until another team like that 85 bears comes along and unseeds them. But I mean, it's not going to happen with this, with this current coaching staff, uh, general manager, front office roster. It's not going to happen. So what are we doing? Why are we continuing to pretend like everything's okay? We we both we both love um, SB Nation and and their writing. I think they're they're really great. But um, one the, the one of the Chicago guys. I think it's when you see when you see the Gridiron writer. I would assume Ricky SBN mm-hmm. Ricky. Twenty twenty one Bears totally blew a five and one start. Got blown out by the Packers twice. Extended their streak of terrible quarterback play to one hundred and one seasons. Beat one team that finished over five hundred have basically zero upside moving forward besides a full war chest of picks for the one time. I just added that bit in, but like, that's the only upside they have going forward. Yeah. And they're bringing every, they're running it back. Like what the fuck? And then he follows it up with Virginia McCaskey could live to be 200 years old and would still never see a quarterback better than 1995. Eric Kramer. Still the best bears quarterback of all time, which that hurt (laughs) to read. Yeah. It hurts my abs to laugh at that but it hurts all the bears fans emotionally to read like yeah. eric kramer i don't even think i've seen one highlight of his ever oh and he's the he best was bears quarterback. The, the bears were humming back then that offense was humming we didn't <laughs> win a playoff game but we were humming uh if you want to if you want to uh, enjoy some bears offensive highlights look back at the 1995 bears that was a fun that was a fun maybe, team to watch maybe i will just to see what this yeah, just, just, see what, just, just see oh we lost twice to the packers that year by the way but <laughs> <laughs> just look back and see in classic see. fashion yeah of course we lost twice to the packers that's what we do um rivalry well, was uh, it, wasn't quotes. that also early five years to be fair yeah, but i mean i think the packers made the made the super bowl that year 95 yeah, that feels 96, like Patrick. Yeah. yeah so you know whatever um but even then at least it's something <laughs> yeah exactly so i mean here here we are again the bears are a laughing stock as you know Time is a flat circle and we're back to being, I mean, we, we had one season where everyone loved us and we were so cool and we had so much swag and we had Khalil Mack and he was killing people and ripping their heads off. And now, Hey, one thing to rest on Chuck Pagano retired. Um, and now Khalil Mack won't be dropping back into coverage anymore. So Which that's will, pretty good. By the way, be the entire scapegoat of this off season, even oh, though for sure. Even though Matt Nagy is solely responsible for the worst offense I've ever seen in my life. Yeah. I mean, the defense did everything they could to make the Bears win that game on Sunday. A couple, a couple turnovers, you know, they were they held the Saints to only 21 points. They could not have done anything more. When your offense is only com- is uh, one of 11 on third down conversions and your quarterback only puts up 199 yards, what, what are you going to do? I mean, seriously, what, how else can they, can they, yeah, I don't know how cool. they haven't like revolted and just been like we're all, we're not playing for you anymore. That's Lamar numbers, but at least Lamar can run for that same amount. Yeah, too. <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> Any, I mean, again, 
total embarrassment. I hate this team so much. I'm 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 becoming so apathetic about this franchise and part of me just wonders why I care so much. I know it's just part of being a fan, but it's it 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 really hurts me to look and just think that I am just stuck with this team for the rest of my life. I'll, it's I'll like a, it's like an abusive relationship. I I just <laughs> everyone's telling me I need to stop, but I just can't. It's just yeah. I, I wish I could quit you. After I will tell you, after being in probably the most abusive sports relationship I've ever been in, that's one in thirty one in two year two seasons. Is it gets better. <laughs> there, there is, I don't know how far away the light of the other tunnel is, but it's, it's uh, out there. It's, it's somewhere. So far. Because teams are getting smarter and doing better. At, at, like it's, it, you know, and you have to just keep telling, like you, I think the thing, the only thing that held me to the Browns and it's, it's actually sad because I'm the conversely losing it from the Indians who are, that's a different story altogether. But the thing that held me with the Browns is like, it has to turn around at some point. Like, and once it does, it'll be so sweet. <laughs> like, and and you've, you've seen a taste of that when you won the AFC North two years ago, three years ago. Oh, I it mean, was the best. It was. Yeah. It was best. euphoria. It was I'm sure it was. Like, Going into last season, it was like, Super Bears, Super Bowl, like we were, everybody was out in their gear. Everybody was so excited. What did we do? <laughs> Put up three points in the first game of the season with the entire nation watching, which just seems to be a. I mean, the Bears just. I'm calling it. I, I've said it before, but no more, no more prime time, no more prime time, no more prime time. Noon, no more national televised game. We need Kenny Albert at noon on a Sunday and leave <laughs> us alone. Albert. Don't even talk to us. Don't even look at us. Red zone. Don't even come to our, don't even put our game on TV. Just leave us alone. You stay away, okay? Scott Hansen. Back off, Scott Hansen. <laughs> God. But, okay, I have one thing to look forward to with the Bears. It's mock draft season. Mock draft season! Woo! Bears, Bears sitting pretty at number 20 in the NFL draft. Their, their position is set. We're looking at a quarterback? I mean, what do you think? I'm thinking unless they're all gone, unless all five are gone before the 20th pick, which is a very real possibility. I mean, here, let's 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 phrase it this way. Would you trade up to get Mac Jones? Here's okay. And you're may not gonna like me for this, and I'm don't like myself for this take because I was finally complimenting the Bears for having a full war chest of draft picks. But I think if if it comes to the point where you're in the draft and the draft you you let the draft ride and see what falls to you, right? You're not sure. you you because because the you know you either get a young rookie a cheap quarterback in the draft or you have to come back with Trubisky or something like that, right? Like you're mm. not confident in your abilities, you have to pay Trubisky cheap, which isn't a great prospect. But the we'd have to franchise tag him. I think we'd have to franchise tag him. Okay, fair enough. But even then, which it's is, not expensive is, to do. It's twenty. I think it's twenty five million. Is it? Wait, can he be franchise tagged? Okay, interesting. I don't. I don't know the full ins and outs of that, but it's. It's not mm-hmm. something I'd franchise tag. Maybe then, if that's the case, wouldn't be something I'd recommend. I no. think it would be renegotiate a new deal, like come back for two years on cheap. And I think they should probably sure. do that anyways. Come back for two years on cheap, like that way. That way you have a security blanket because you're not rolling. You're not rolling fools out there. If you roll fools out there, like you're brain dead. I'm sorry. Well. That um, was one of the worst parts of Sundays that people were calling for Nick Foles, and it was like, "What do you, no, what do you want?" Watch the last the six straight losses. Um, yeah, I'm sure you didn't because if you if you had if you did, you wouldn't be calling for Foles. But anyways, no. Here's my thing: is and and 
this is only reserved for special circumstances. The Bears have probably abused this button in the past few years. But Deshaun Watson is most likely on the market. Like it, it is looking like he is coming to force a way out. You've had numerous past Texans speak out against him staying, blah, 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 yada, yada. He's probably going to force his way out because there is nothing to look forward to as a Houston Texan. I'm sorry. This hurts. I love Watson. I love that franchise. I wish they'd be good. It's cool to have an expansion team, blah, 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 all those storylines. Watson, Watson, Watson needs to leave. He needs to get out. Get out. There is, and I would put, well, I don't know if I'd put my Browns on this list. I think Baker's our guy, but there's only about seven or eight teams in the league right now that should not be picking up the phone. And I'm totally stealing from Dan Olofsky when he says this, but he's absolutely right. There's only about seven or eight teams in this league that should not be picking up the phone and calling to see what it would cost to get Deshaun Watson out of Houston. I don't care what it costs you. I don't care how big the cap hit is. He is a top five quarterback in this league. And we've seen that he does shit with nothing. He has, Mm -hmm. I mean, his two best wide receivers this year were Will Fuller and Deshaun or, and Brandon cooks and Fuller got suspended 10 games into the season. Like, mm-hmm. and he still put up the numbers he did. The Texans didn't win, I understand, because their defense is, their their entire team and franchise is gutted. They're in a worse situation than the Bears could ever hope to be in. But that is my, that's my move. You see how the draft goes, or you trade and be as, as aggressive as you can have. I, if you end up with no picks in this draft and you have Deshaun Watson, you're already in a better spot because it's going to be one year of shit. You have still the defense you have. And then, mm-hmm. then you start building again next year. Because he's right. so young, that that's my thing. He's so young, no, he's so he ready, and he—if it's a team that he knows is going to commit to him long term and say, "Hey, we're—it's going to take a minute. We're not ready yet because we had to fucking give up all the shit to get you." But it, then you then you have your guy, and it, this is like this is like this the like you don't look a gift horse in the mouth kind of thing. Like they shouldn't have done it three years ago, but now you're getting a second chance. He's going to be on the market because he's not going to stay around. He's not going to stay in Houston. He wants to win. And if you can mm-hmm. present him a plan where it's this and this and this and this is going to happen, he has to approve on it because he has to have no trade clause. But <laughs> be blowing up that Houston phone. Get that stupid-ass pastor to agree to your shit and, and get him on your get him in orange and blue. And I hate to say mm-hmm. that as a Packers fan, but that's, that's, my, that's my number one priority if I'm a Bears if I'm a Bears front office worker right now. What do you think it takes? I mean, we have – we, we, we'd multiple, have to, it'd be multiple first. first round picks. I, I mean, we have probably, probably, firsts. probably at least a second in a mid round. And then what, I mean, they're going to need, don't you, won't they need somebody to like supplement that contract or, you know, who could you, I mean, could you yeah, dump I, I don't them? know. I, I can't pretend to know how yeah. all the financials work. It sure. would be hard, but it doesn't mean that they shouldn't be trying, it's, but it's worth it. I mean, it's, it's exactly a, Deshaun, it's a franchise changing guy. You watch the guy in the field every Sunday. People are ready to put him in the hall as of now because of what he, he does. Be, He's special. It, whoever becomes that franchise quarterback for the Bears will be the most loved figure yeah. in the city of Chicago. We have ever. never had ever. anybody like ever. that. The closest we've ever had is Jim McMahon, and he was not. I mean, he was not the type of guy who he was a you know he was a punk ass. Type of, type of quarterback. He was never that guy, though. He had an amazing defense around him. He had Walter Payton, and he was the quarterback when the Bears won the Super Bowl, but it wasn't because of him. So if we get a guy like Deshaun Watson to come in here, 
I mean, it will completely change the culture of the Bears. It will it will bring guys who have never thought to even play for Chicago into the, you know, considering them for trades, for free agency, to be able to have that kind of, that kind of guy, that sort of cultural change within the organization would be massive. And I think the Bears should do everything they in their power to make sure that there's a possibility that they are in on Deshaun Watson and just – I mean, go all out. What do you have to lose? What do you have to lose to get Deshaun Watson? A couple, a couple of draft picks. We haven't had a draft pick, a first round draft pick in three goddamn years. You're ready to give up everything to get Khalil Mack and get other shit. Get it exactly. Sense. Give it all right. up, to Deshaun Watson. I don't give a. I don't give a. We know what he is. We know what he is, yeah. and he will turn this. We know he what he turn. is with worse assets than what the Bears have. Believe it or mm-hmm. not, like I promise you, whatever you think, however think you you have it, bad you think you have it. Yeah, sure, he had Deshaun Watson or. DeAndre Hopkins. Mm-hmm. He had DeAndre Hopkins and nothing else. It's just not even a question. You I, get Deshaun Watson. You get Deshaun Watson, and that means Allen Robinson is going to stay. He'll re- yeah, I mean, absolutely. He'll, he's going to resign. Why would he not? It'd Probably be the best, the best, op, best possible situation for him. You're going to get other guys, like I mentioned, who are going to want to come play for Chicago. Other wide receivers who are going to want to come join in. You're going to maximize the talent of guys like Darnell Mooney, of guys like Cole Komet, of uh, David Montgomery, all those guys are going to be able to have a guy who can hit them in stride, who can, you know, dance around in the pocket, use his feet. He does. He does everything that Trubisky does times a thousand. Yeah, you want to commit to a long term plan? Trade for Deshaun Watson, go into cap hell like the Saints, and see what happens. You can be the Saints have shown you can be seventy million dollars over the cap and still figure out a way to work it out, right? If you get a guy like that who's going to inject. I mean, I don't even know what to call it. It's not even adrenaline in your franchise. It's straight up fucking crack into your mm-hmm. into your franchise. Straight to the vein. Yeah, you're gonna you're gonna like you're gonna get all the defense is gonna go. Holy shit, we have Deshaun Watson now. I'm sticking around. Like, hold up, we're serious. Like now we're serious. Now, yeah, we're, exactly. Now we're seriously. You want to show you care about this football team? Mm-hmm. That's the move you make. I do. You can draft a quarterback, and and if you know, we have to see what the offseason looks like. We can start to get into that in the few months down here he has combine approaches things like that mm-hmm. um but you want to show you're serious as a football team with the pieces you have right now i don't know why the bears aren't tr- giving their first i don't know why the mechanics aren't giving their firstborn their next firstborn whoever it is yep. or Deshaun watson like it, it, I mean, it really has to be like that because that's the guy that comes in and you say fuck the cap we'll pay whatever mm-hmm. it takes in taxes and he's and- He's on a he's on a very it's a tradable friend, friendly contract for a guy for a guy as good as he's top five. I mean he's top five in the league, yeah. talent wise, everything else. I mean, here's his next. So he's he just signed a four year extension, 156 million uh, with a 27 million dollar signing bonus. Here's his cap hits over. The, okay, it doesn't even go in effect until 2022. Mm-hmm. When when again he will be 26 years old. Yeah. Uh, he'll be he'll be getting forty point four, forty two point four, and then thirty seven and thirty two. Ben Roethlisberger is due forty one million dollars next year. Matt Ryan is due, is due quarterback that he is. Matt Ryan is due forty million dollars next year. I mean, Matt Stafford is due like thirty eight million dollars. Now, all those guys are much older than Deshaun, but look at how much money those guys are getting. Deshaun is like the perfect NFL like character. Because mm-hmm. he's the, the hallmark position. But if you read, I mean, I've, I'm obsessed with Sean Watson. I have been since he came in the league. His story is like the most perfect storyline ever. 
Like he's literally, I think if you go back and look, there was some NFL players charity that helped him get into the house where he was able to live in to go to school on a regular basis. So he could actually get to play football. Like he was, I think he was straight up homeless for a while. Like he's not in it for the money. He wants to win. He wants to play the game. He loves, he doesn't give a fuck. So bring him in. He, you, you watch the clip. We've all seen it. Watting him walking off the field after that last game. Sorry. We wasted one of the years of your prime right now. You, you have a, a probably one of the best defensive ends in the game to ever play the game telling a 22 20, what 24 25 year old quarterback i'm sorry we wasted a year of your career like like he they all know that like where they are is not where they want to be like no give it all up give it give everything up you will it will yeah. be an immediate injection and in culture change in this locker room if they're yep. and and i said you know khalil mack i i will be completely honest when that trade went down i loved it for the bears even with the picks that they gave oh, up for sure in and i don't think i the trubisky one i don't think i liked from the get-go i like trubisky so i was like all right well they're taking their shot i'm not gonna to say no to this guy i haven't said no to this guy it's been four years into his career and he's looked like shit all of it like mm-hmm. um but it's just like it would be another level if you could get number four in a Chicago Bears jersey. It would be it'd be a Bears team you'd never seen before, and I yes. honestly think he would he would rival the marketability of Jordan. Oh, for sure, for sure, he would be he would be huge. He would if a, if a quarterback came in and was able to put up all pro numbers, he would he'd have a statue built after his first season. Yeah, and and it wouldn't have to be torn down after a second. The city is starving, starving for a quarterback. Any sort of semblance of a average, above average, whatever it may be quarterback. If you brought a guy like that in here and he was able to perform, which I know he would. He, there's no way, you know, it would be franchise altering, truly. So the Bears need to do everything they can to to land him. Obviously, like we said, there's going to be about 24 to 25 teams uh, uh, calling to try to get his yeah. services. And we'll see how it plays out. It seems like the uh, uh, the whole Deshaun to the Dolphins for Tua has sort of quieted down, and we haven't heard much about that since yeah, it was first reported. Because that was just an initial speculation by Moore, and he said it in tweets. He said he's it like, like a knee jerk sort of thing. Yeah, yeah he's like, this is just speculation. Although I will say, did you see the the damning quotes from some anonymous Miami Dolphins players about Tua this week or today? No, I, I think I missed that one. Basically saying you know as we knew when when the initial move happened there was a lot of surprise that they've moved on from Fitzpatrick to a um and a lot of and whatever whoever this player was was affirming that he didn't see in Tua what everybody else saw in or what 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 the team was seeing in Tua so when you and and that's never good for a quarterback when you guys have guys that are in the business who have seen quarterbacks play and sit there and go I don't think he's got it like questions about the arm strength question about the decision making like so that's a whole weird situation altogether. The Mort report initial tweet about that Chris Mortensen was initially speculation. He said the and he tried to down. He it was weird because he tweeted it, but then immediately tried to downplay it. Like I, I don't know what he was going for with that because as soon as somebody with a as credential you know valued credentials as Chris Mortensen tweets, hey, he could go to the Dolphins. Everybody's go to or Deshaun Watson to the Dolphins. Oh my god! Yeah, exactly. Yeah, so, but it, but the bottom line is is uh, for me as a Bears fan until. Deshaun Watson is either saying, says himself, I'm a Houston Texan for life or says himself or gets traded to somewhere. I'm not focused on the draft for a quarterback. I'm focused on him. 
That's mm-hmm. what they that's where you should be is focused on him. Yeah. And I would say the next thing other than the quarterback that they should be focusing on is a, a new wide receiver because we're going to be in a very sticky situation if Allen Robinson, which at this point doesn't look like he's going to resign if the Bears stay where they're at and we they're continue to sign. So no, why why would he? He has so many options of legitimate good teams. I mean, imagine him on a team like Los Angeles Chargers, the LA Rams, the Seattle Seahawks, literally (laughs) anywhere. I mean, you can just, the list goes on and on. He's one of the best wide receivers in the NFL and he's never had that opportunity to be around a quarterback who puts him in a position to win. So, and he's continued to put up numbers. So here's a sickening stat for you. Um, PFF grades, literally every stat of every catchable or anything, any play, there's a stat tied with it for pro football focus. Mm -hmm. And they tweeted yesterday since entering the league. So that also included time with the Jaguars. Blake Bortles was his quarter was his quarterback for most of that tenure. Since entering Mm -hmm. the league, only 64% of Allen Robinson's targets have been deemed catchable by their metric, which ranks 93rd out of 101 qualifiers. And look what he's done with those numbers. Like it's just and and the yo he got drafted into Jacksonville. He got drafted into a situation with Blake Bortles. You can't you can't fault the man for that, right? But I'm sure as shit he's sitting in his house kicking himself for signing with the Bears after following after Jacksonville. He took he took the most money he he could get, and that's you know all fun and well. Like go grab your bag. Like we're not saying don't do that, but. He took the Bears over the Packers. He he went, you know, so you go from Blake Bortles and Mitchell Trubisky have been the two guys that have thrown him the most balls in his career, and he's sitting in one of the worst wide receivers in catchable targets because there's been balls that are literally thrown out of a range where he can even possibly make a play on it. Like he's, unless you get something quick or or tell him, no, Mitch is our guy or this is our guy, he's gonzo. He's he's gonna be gonzo because he he wants to play now. He's shown it he wants to play. He's not yeah. He got the bag. It sucked. He's not he's not happy about it. He wants. I mean, he still wants money. He's talked about. You know, he said if the Bears wanted to negotiate an extension with me, they could have done it in the past 365 days. We had a whole year to do it. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. He said that. And it's not like this was, you know, this is his second straight season with a thousand yards. It's not like he's been underperforming. No, of course not. Our best player on offense. Exactly. I mean, he had a he had an interview actually on the Carmen and Yurko show, which is on ESPN 1000. He they asked him if the Bears would discuss the possibility of franchise tagging, and he says no. We haven't had any communication as far as that. Obviously, I know that's a possibility. They asked if he'd be willing to play under the tag. He says that's not something I've really thought about. Uh, he said, uh, I think that's how everybody knows a little bit on how I feel about that, but I'm not going to really get into that right now. He does not seem very interested in in getting that one-year deal for $25 million. This man wants to be paid properly. And what that means is absolutely fuck the McCaskies. No. Fuck and everybody in Bears ownership. Like, yeah. it's just, it's sad. You have a literal elite wide receiver and you're treating him like he's dog shit. And, and we're going to be losing, I mean, we, we should we should be losing Javon Wims and Anthony Miller after this, you know, as this offseason goes on. So we're going to need somebody to come in and be that spark with Darnell Mooney. I don't think Darnell Mooney is ready to be that number one guy. No, he's, I mean, he's, he's not, not the one guy. He's, he's a no, two or a slot guy. He's exactly. So we, we're going to need to find some sort of replacement for Allen Robinson or do everything we can to get Allen Robinson to stay and show that he is cherished here. I mean, this guy is, this is a once in, once in a generation type of receiver. You don't just, these guys don't just fall off trees. You know, obviously every year we saw this year, especially rookie wide receivers will come in and perform, but 
a lot of them did not. I mean, for the Justin Jeffersons in this draft class, we also had Jerry Judy's and Jalen Rieger's. Jalen Rieger, yeah, absolutely. And those are guys that still have plenty of potential to grow. Sure, sure. It's not, you know. Yeah, you're, you're you're like you said. Not everyone's Justin Jefferson. Justin Jefferson no, came in and was just, um, elite, amazing. amazing, amazing. Yeah, I love watching that guy play. But we're, I mean, the the idea of finding another Justin Jefferson in this draft class, it they're a dime a dozen. I mean, you you, you can't be. There's you know, plenty of candidates, but sure. Will you get them? <laughs> and will they be able to play well in your system? And I, I don't know. I'm sick of it. Let's let's move on. Let's let's. Let's stop talking about the Bears. I'm we've 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 been on it for about you beat that dead horse for an hour. Minutes at this point. <laughs> let's let's talk about a team that's actually going to uh, be playing this weekend. The Green Bay Packers, Evan. The Green Bay Packers, not a dog shit franchise, have only had two quarterbacks in the past thirty years. What's up? <laughs> okay. All right. Enough. <laughs> Why we said we're done. We said we're done. <laughs> Oh, come um, on. I'm not going to miss a chance to take a, a haymaker out of left. So, anyways, anyways, so anyways, let, so anyways let's anyways. talk about this matchup on Saturday. First game of while of uh, divisional playoff weekend. And the Packers are playing host to a team that many people didn't think they might see in the second round, and that is the Los Angeles Rams. Yeah, if I'm not mistaken, you did say this was probably the team you wanted to see the least of all the teams in the Super Wild Card weekend. And here they are. You, here uh, they are. Yeah. Thankfully, just, we're not going to them. Um, I mean, first of all, can we just talk about – I wanted to say this is the best matchup of the weekend, but I feel like that's like splitting hairs because all these are incredible matchups. I agree. You got Brady's Breeze. I mean, that's like the two goats. Like, I mean, incredible matchup there. You got mm-hmm. the upstart Browns against the defending Super Bowl champions in a, a matchup where certainly the Browns don't have a defense. I know the Chiefs pretend or kind of have a defense, but like that's just that has shootout written all over it. Then you have the other two 2018 first round draft picks and in, in Lamar and Josh Allen meeting up in uh in in Buffalo for the first time they've hosted a divisional playoff game in God knows how long. And and then you have this matchup. I mean Somehow this feels like the most dynamite matchup of the weekend, but it's it's it, you know if you wanted to tell me otherwise, I I wouldn't I wouldn't say no. Like it just it's it's an I mean the Rams you got the 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 storyline between uh, Goff and and Rogers as two Cal quarterbacks. You have the fact that Lafleur came from from the LA Rams working with McVeigh. It's there's storylines up and down, and and as I yeah. as you mentioned, I said this is the team I didn't want to face. Mm-hmm. Um, this is the probably the most identical matchup to the Bucks defensively, who was the only defense that absolutely humiliated Aaron Aaron Rodgers this season. So yeah, um, I mean it's the number one scoring offense against the number one scoring defense, the immovable force against the unstoppable. Yeah, it's object against the unstoppable force. I always seem I to mean, mess that one up. Short of being in the NFC Championship, this is what everybody's looking forward to, right? Like, yeah. it's obviously going to be one of Brady or Breeze coming to ta- coming to ta- or coming to Lambeau after this weekend. If if should we make it past? But I'm going to start with the positives because I want to make myself feel better about this. Sure. Um, although I don't know if this is really a positive. It is a positive. It's kind of a cool story. So there's been some rule changes recently with um, how playoff signings work. Um, and, and I don't know if you saw or anybody saw, but Jared Veldier was a 
offensive lineman. He elevated from the Colts practice squad last weekend to play for that. He started a playoff game. He started, yeah. yeah. Yeah, he started a playoff game. But that doesn't mean you don't you sign a full full like team contract. So he's technically still a practice squad player. So he played played very well. Um, they lost unfortunately, but he played well. Uh, and then obviously was you know the season ended and he was still in the practice squad, which technically leaves room for him to be signed to another team. And that that he was. Um, the Packers picked him up, looking for some extra offensive lineman depth to round out the season here. And it was it was. A good move. I mean, everybody was like looking at it like, okay, this is, you know, you know, you lost Bakhtiari. We've been ha- dealing with injuries, like as, as we mentioned before. Players have been play- having to play every position on the line, rotating around. So you're like any any big beefy man to put up front and protect Aaron Rodgers. Like, yeah, we're gonna we're gonna be okay with that. Like, yeah, of course. Well, um, I don't know if you know it, this. But he actually played for the Packers before. Did he already? He played. The end of the 2019 season, he played the final four games, including the playoffs, with the Packers. Really? So, this is a re-signing when you okay. look at it. Well, even yeah, better, so. um, which mm-hmm. makes it hurt even more when we found out today that he tested positive for COVID and will miss the playoff game and will not be the first player to play for two different playoff se- teams in a single postseason. Yeah, not great. Um, I said we started with positives. That's that's like a. I think it's just funny. <laughs> literally it's positive because we had death, but it's like COVID immediately positive. a negative because of COVID. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, literally a positive. You're right. I mean, if that's not 2020 slash 2021, I don't know what else is. Regardless, I guess we have the depth still, and we'll be okay. Hopefully, I don't know. We'll see. The offensive line as a whole would be playing better. Has been playing really well, even with in, with the absence of Bakhtiari. I'd love for for one more option to be available, but we don't have that choice. So, I guess we're gonna have to roll with it and see what it is. But the bigger positive is the reason you go and fight and secure home field advantage as a Green Bay Packer team is it's going to be fucking cold on Saturday. The I mean, Jared Goff, I don't know if he's ever played a cold game in his life besides maybe a Pac-12, Pac-10, whatever it was the time he was playing in that division game. only time I can think is in Seattle, maybe. That's yeah. the only mind. Ooh, in how, Seattle, about how about the game? I can think of a game actually involving the Bears. You're right. I was actually going to bring that up. That's the only game I think we have of him playing in the pros in a cold and windy format, and he Ooh, fucking sucked. Terrible. Yeah, he was <laughs> terrible. Oh, to man. be fair, the Bears had an incredibly suffocating defense, and that played a part. They yeah. probably would have done the same shit if it was out in LA. But he really sucked. They lost fifteen to six. Um, he threw a, he threw four interceptions. He was twenty of forty four for one hundred and eighty yards, four picks. Yeah, it was. I think he was unfortunately on one of my fantasy teams at that time. That was a bad, bad day. That was when you're like, holy shit, this Bears team is real. Because yep. the Rams were fucking flying around that season, and they came to and they Jared put, they put having, three points that game, didn't they? It was a ten three final, wasn't it? Uh, fifteen to six was the final score. Jared oh, Goff okay. was was really really good in two thousand eighteen too. Like yeah, this so is that, was his, on record. that was his breakout season, and he just totally got smothered by the Bears offense. Yeah. Bears defense. So, so yeah, now now try going four miles, four four hours rather north of that and playing a game in the playoffs. Uh, good luck. Um, maybe not as aggressive and suffocating of a defense as that that rejuvenation of the monsters of the midway was, but still the weather's going to be. 
freaking freezing. And not to mention, he has had thumb surgery in the past three weeks yep. and probably shouldn't even have even played last week, but was forced into it because his backup quarterback is a hyper-aggressive runner and Jamal Adams is a hyper-aggressive tackler. Uh, yeah, I mean... I, I mean, I guess it's not like a positive because I don't like want to like ever have a team short strength, but at the same time, like knocks out competitor, I guess. Like, I mean, it's easy there. It's either golf in a cold game, which he's already sucked in previously and a broken thumb or it's his backup, John Wolford, who might be the smallest player I've ever seen take the field in an NFL uniform. Like, did you see him walk into the huddle on set? Was that Saturday afternoon against the Seahawks? No, I didn't. I missed. I missed that part oh my of the gosh. game. Beginning part of the looks, game. Looks. I. I hadn't. I didn't watch the Arizona game where he played, but he looks. He's listed as 5'10", 210 pounds. He looks like he's five eight, one forty. Like he looks <laughs> like a midget out there. And to be fair, Whoa, obviously you have offensive linemen who are, huh? Throwing out the M word. Damn. Oh, I'm so sorry. He looks like a very very tiny person out there. There you go. Um. And and to be fair, when you look, I mean, you and I would look like tiny people when going up against an offensive line. I mean, Andrew mm. Whitworth is what six five, three twenty, or some shit like that. Yeah, like he's like that. he's a homunculus. Like like it just it's 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 a total disparity. But when you are that short and that tiny, it's gonna show up on screen, and it showed up on screen. It was almost comical looking. I was like, holy crap! I didn't realize he was that small. You have issues about you have worries about Drew Brees seeing over off over his offensive line. Look at Wolford. <laughs> he is Seriously. he is small, small. And um, you you don't want that going up against against Aaron Rodgers. I mean, you need all the all the offense you can get against that guy. You, you and we saw. I mean, I I just was looking at the injury report. Uh, Jared Goff did practice in full today. Mm-hmm. Wolford was out, so I mean, you can pretty much guarantee that we're going to see Jared Goff starting on Saturday. Yeah, it's probably going to be Goff, which is it's do or die at this point. You can't. You're not going to rely on um, on Wolford. Yeah, and they didn't even want to be relying on Wolford as it was. I mean, Goff was an active backup in that game 12 days Twelve days post-thumb surgery. I've seen enough thumb surgeries to know that he's not actually able to grip a ball, and if you watch those highlights, he wasn't actually able to grip a ball, but they had no other choice, and they were going to go with fucking Blake Bortles, who's their other backup. So, uh, yeah. Um, so, I mean, it sucks to say that that's a positive for the Packers, but that's a positive for the Packers. <laughs> yeah, man, it is what it is. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, exactly. The 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 cards the cards fall as they fall. So, and then I mean, they're banged up across the board. It's not even just golf. Like Aaron Donald had a rib issue; he had to leave that game. It looks like he's also practicing in full, or he's limited. Maybe he but said, even... he, uh, he's he's practicing in full, and he said he feels real good." So okay, so yeah, I'm not, not. I'm not even gonna. Don't even think about that one. I mean, well, that man is that man's 100. percent He's he's not backing down at all. If that man is 80. percent That defense is already better than it would be without him. Exactly. Like it's it's he's he's probably the best interior line D lineman we've seen play this game ever. Yeah. Like it's just that's what it comes down to. So hope I mean hopefully I not I don't no I don't I don't hopefully. Um, we'll see what happens as the rest of the week goes by. That could very quickly, I'm putting this in the positive column, but that could very quickly switch to a negative depending on how well he's really feeling. He, oh, yeah. he could sit there and say on the podium from now until Saturday that he's feeling great. And then he gets on the field and he's not playing like he's feeling great. Like that's, you know, that's entirely possible. Right. But, yep. um, but actually I think the one with the biggest impact is Cooper cup. He is vital to that offense. I think they go from like a three point, five epa to like a one point something when he's on versus when he's off the field which is like basically a slightly above average to piss poor 
he is vital. He is like, like, you know how, like you, you talk about a, a quarterback loving his tight end or loving this certain wide receiver as the safety valve, right? Like cup in by, by all standards, isn't like a dynamic wide receiver. He's, he doesn't run that well. He's not overly quick. He's got good hands. Don't get me wrong. But mostly just has instincts and knows where to go. And Goff knows where to find him. Like that's a giant safety valve for that offense. And if he's the, the difference between when he's out on the field and when he's not on the field is night and day. And you had the Wednesday report, which I wasn't able to find, but I think on Tuesday he was a full DNP. He did not Um, practice today either. Him and Wolford did not practice today. That is huge if he misses that for that Rams offense. Like for sure. Like I don't care how many other wide receivers they got out there. That is that is massive. Mm-hmm. Um, he is the he is the catalyst of that offense clicking the way they do. And if he's out, it's it's it. I mean, it's not game over, but it's it's going to make it that much harder for that offense to be productive. Most definitely. Um, so we'll have to see how that goes. I mean, obviously that's a that's a pay attention to every day. You know, follow the report, see what happens. Um, looks like, as you said, looks like Donald probably will play. I imagine Goff will play. He's practicing, and Wolfert's not. So that would lead you to believe that that's happening. And mm-hmm. Bortles, I, I don't. There hasn't been anything to say that he's not practicing because he's not injured, but. When you're Sean McVay and you're looking at a playoff game against the best team in the NFC, you're not even going to throw 70% of Jared Goff to the bench for Blake Bortles. Like if <laughs> Blake Bortles, that's what you have already harped on this podcast, is not a good quarterback. No. If you can get half of what Goff is, you're going to take that. So I expect to see Goff and Darnold, or Donald, which sucks. But yeah, I mean, that's kind of what it is. Um, and then... I mean, the negatives, like, as I said, this was the matchup that I was most fearing as a, a besides the Bucks, as a Packers fan, because it's the defense that's most able to emulate what the Bucks did in order to stop us. And you can sit here and say, yeah, the Niners won two games against the the Rams and were able to show you how to fool that defense and do whatever, blah, blah, blah. They, they did win. They won with Nick Mullins and, and. Matt LaFleur has a brother who's a coach on that offensive system. So he's probably looking very closely at that film and wondering what he should do in order to beat this team. But in the same breath, the Rams are for sure watching that Bucks game and seeing what the Bucks did. And what the Bucks did was confuse Rodgers. You show him a cover zero look and you drop into cover two. You show him a, you know, you, it's just that kind of thing. Um, so they're going to have to rely on, you know, LaFleur is going to have to think about it and have to rely on a lot of things like pre-snap motion to identify, you know, make the defense show their cards before you sign hike the ball. Like those are things we know exist in the NFL today, but you have to make them happen. You can't just sit there and let them go idly by. Like you, you have to take advantage of that. There's ways to show that the, the offense is in, is in cover two, is in man, is in whatever. And, you know, get that motion going. And the other thing that I think worked super effectively, if you watch those bear or those Rams and Niners games is they would do preset motion and they do a like either a play action or a run fake action where the ball would go one way or the the the, the play would go one way and the ball would go the other way. So you're 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 hitting those linebackers moving left or moving right and then you're running the exact opposite way, right? Mm-hmm. So that's that's going to be critical for this 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 team and and they have the capability to do that and they they but they just have to show that they can do that. Um, I think you know the worry is. You're getting now into rounds where you have teams that you're facing up against that are the caliber of the the Niners team that absolutely blanked this Packers team last year. 
you know, we can say all we want about what's improved and what's not improved, but there's not been dramatic schematic changes to this team. So, so what you're looking at is the same situation, you know, maybe better quality of a situation, but the same situation as you were going into that Niner team last year. And the Niners defense last year sold out for the short pass. They sold out for the run like they, and, and for some reason, LaFleur looked at that and said, this is what we're going to do. We're going to short pass or run it all game and see if we can beat him. And of course that's not going to work because that's what they, they were suited for. So I, I need to see play action. I need to see trickery at the line of scrimmage. I need to see MVS. He's not going to get targets during this game. I don't think, but he's got to be darting back and forth, making that, making those linebackers go, Holy shit. He's going that way. Holy shit. He's going this way. Yeah, of course he's only got like a fifty-five percent catch rate or some shit like that. He's not—he's <laughs> not been that great, but he's got speed. And if you get him moving one way, and you get those linebackers thinking, "Hey, he might run right in front of Rodgers and get a touch pass," like what happens then? You have to make that like you have to make them just those linebackers pause. You're right. And the other thing is—is is Ramsey. I think a lot of people are worried about Jalen Ramsey in this game. Ooh. And he's—he's a, he's a shutdown corner, but he doesn't shadow. He doesn't shadow. So. Get Devontae not on Ramsey. Ramsey won't follow him into the slot. Ramsey won't follow him to the opposite side of the field. Ramsey stays on the right side, you know, and that's what he does. And get Devontae away from that. And those hands are glue. I mean, even if he was on Ramsey, I'd still feel confident about that matchup because they're, I mean, that's, that's, that's iron on iron right there. Like that's going to be a great matchup to watch if they ever go up against each other. But if I'm Lafleur, I'm doing whatever I can to get Devontae away from him and on whatever the second corner is on that Rams defense. Like get him away from Jalen Ramsey. That's those are two things I'm keen in on is like the pre-snap motion and the Devontae versus Ramsey or Devontae versus not Ramsey matchup. But I think the third thing would be is this is what I'm really worried about in a weather game. We saw kind of shades of this in some of the late December games. Is Lafleur loves to, and it's not a bad strategy in 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 theory. Lafleur loves to run the ball, um, even when it's not working. He loves to run the ball in a cold, hard matchup. So, like, this could be – I feel like this is something that could be, like, 6-3 or 10-7 going into the second half. And mm-hmm. LaFleur is just going to go, we need to run the ball. We need to run. We need to run. Aaron Jones, have the ball. A.J. Dillon, have the ball. Jamal Williams, have the ball. And this is, as you said, this is one of the best defenses in the entire league. And what they're especially good at is interior run stuffing. I mean – you want to tell me you're going to have success running the ball, Aaron Donald and Leonard Floyd? No fucking way. Mm-mm. Absolutely not. So they have to be creative. They have to get that zone run going. They have to work the ball away from the interior of that defense, double team them. I mean, pick and, you know, have a pick and pull kind of situation going. I don't really care what it is. I do not want to see gut runs from this offense in the third quarter, in the We're fourth quarter, nowhere. when the game's on the line. Because it's not yeah. going to get you, yeah, as you said, it's not right. going to get nowhere. It's your Donald's going to go, okay, thank you. Easy peasy lemon squeezy. I got you a two yard loss. What now? Yeah. I mean, who is, who is the matchup for Aaron Donald on that Packers offensive line? Is that going to be Corey Lindsley? Yeah, it's going to be Lindsley. Um, and it's going to be, uh, I have to, I have to go look, hold on. Give me here. Give me a second here. The, the line rotation that we're running with now is so random because it's just so banged up from what it was. Lindsley's our center. So it's definitely going to be Lindsley. And it's going to be the two guards. I I feel like Jenkins is in one of those guard roles right now. But I will say this: this Rams team is playing with a chip on their shoulder. They they yeah. were looking they were looking like one of the best teams in the NFC. They they took down the Bucks in Tampa on Monday Night Football. They 
crush the Bears on Monday Night Football as well. Not saying much, honestly, when it comes to that. But the Bears, when they were at their best in this during the season, you know, they were very close to winning that NFC West division. They thought they should have. And they came up and they smacked the Seattle Seahawks around for four quarters. And what Russell Wilson was it had absolutely nowhere to go. 11 of 27 uh, for a guy who was a super, you know, an MVP contender to begin the season. 11 of 27 for 174 yards and a pick. Pick six make that. Um, I mean, he, he was totally just beaten to submission. And they ran the ball down their throat with Cam Akers, 131 mm. yards, you know, Jared Goff didn't have to do much except hand the ball off, and he couldn't even – he was handing the ball off with his opposite hand. I don't know if you saw that. Mm-hmm. There were a couple of times where he was mm-hmm. handing it off with his opposite hand. I mean, he was no, doing everything he could just to get the ball to Cam and just say, hey, you do the rest. You're absolutely right, and that's – that's I think this is the the biggest thing. So um, you brought up two things there. The the chip on their shoulder, like that's a very real thing. Um, I, you know, if you remember uh, the week – seven post-week 17, and – all credit to him. He deserves to celebrate. He hadn't done it in his, in his entire career because he played for the New York fucking Jets. Jamal oh, Adams sat and smoked a stogie on on the press conference stage um, and said, "This feels good. This feels like winning." This, you know, and and he deserves to celebrate that. When you hit your first sure. playoff appearance, like <laughs> that's a that's a landmark for a yeah, lot of people. Yeah, players. it was deserved. It was deserved for sure. Yeah, but. Also, you, the teams you're going to play against, including the team you just beat to get into the playoffs, and then you're also going to match up again the next week, aka the Los Angeles Rams. They're going to take notice, and Goff did. Goff said they, you know, in his post game interview after that Seahawks game, he's like, "Yeah, they sat up here and smoked cigars, and and they talked about how good they were, and then we came and beat them on their own turf. So it feels good, but we're not done yet." So that means they were taking note of that shit. So, I mean, I'm not, I'm, you, you can never discount this Rams team. I think Sean McVay is one of the best coaches in the, in the NFL right now. Um, in, in golf, I, you can talk about what he does or doesn't do on the field. Um, and that's a certainly valid argument. I don't think he's a top 10 quarterback in this league, but he's being paid like he is. But at the oh, end of the day, sure. he's a, he's a gamesman. He's a, he's a player. He, mm-hmm. he goes out there and he, he plays hard when he is on the field. I will never knock him for that. And um, yeah. And th- you also mentioned another thing. I mean, we've talked about the big addition of snacks Harrison and he had 12 snaps in that bears game and, and seemed to do a good job, but that's going to be a big test. I mean, we were all worried in the first time we actually showed we could stop a run game was Derrick Henry. And we only stopped him to the tune of 98 yards. Um, so it's not like we really sat there and suffocated him like the Ravens defense. The Ravens held him to 40 yards. That to me is a suffocation of, an, of a run game. And Akers is a hard nosed runner, and that offensive line has a good blocking scheme on them. Like they they could absolutely like they're you know, Goff isn't comfortable playing in the snow or in the cold, but their offense could easily flip to that. Like they run eleven personnel easily. They love two tight ends, they love to just run the ball and go play action off of it. And I, I mean, it's, you know, we, it, it made me feel confident when we stopped Derrick Henry to the tune that we did, but I wouldn't say that erased all doubt in my mind. No. I mean, this is the playoffs. Anything can happen. You, you let, you know, acres runs out with a little bit of hard nose that more than he's running. Cause he's been hot to finish the season as it is. And now he's in the playoffs as a rookie. He might run out there with a bunch of adrenaline and, you know, 
we better show up. Like they they could run the ball down our throats, and and there's not. And our defense is better than the Seahawks defense, but it's not an elite defense. We've come into form, but it's not elite, suffocating, controlling defense like you would want to see in this time of year. So it'll be really interesting to see. I, I almost forgot about that that aspect of the matchup is how our run defense pairs up against a hard-nosed, really good as of late runner in Cam Akers. It's going to be a very interesting matchup to see. Um, I mean, what are your – give me a prediction. Let's hear, your, let's hear what, you're, what you're feeling. Are you confident? Are you nervous? What is your barometer right now? We are two days – out from the matchup at this point how are we feeling i would say both those words you said are are true i'm confident but still nervous at the end of the day i think the packers are still favored in this one and i think as long as the games are in lambo the packers are favored because that's just i mean it's the best home field advantage regardless of fans in the stands or not it's the best home field advantage in the nfl and nothing can convince convince me otherwise Mm-hmm. Um, it's just, it's just so unique. The, 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 the situation to go to a little d- dinky ass town like green Bay and play a NFL football game when you're coming from LA or Tampa or wherever the fuck you're coming from. It's just different. It's just not something you're used to. And the Packers are used to it because they live that life. So I think I'm still confident in the Packers. I, I think we got with a win. Um, what is the over under on that game right now? Uh, uh, I know the line is six and a half. The Packers are six and a half point favorites. Okay. Uh, the over under is 45 and a half. Okay. So half. 45 and a half over under Packers, six and a half point favorites. Yep. I don't like that. The, the, the spread. I think, I think the Rams, I would take the Rams to cover that because mm-hmm. they're agree. like, they're well coached enough, but I think the Packers to leak out with a win. So I would say, 45 and a half. That's basically, that's basically a 24, 21. I don't know if I'd take that exactly. I feel like this is going to be, and I hope that the, 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 I hope that LaFleur doesn't get caught up in this. And I feel like he doesn't want to, there was some good quote from him earlier in the week. You know, he talked about the relationship with him and McVeigh, McVeigh, you know, and obviously learning a lot from McVeigh. He mentioned that like McVay is a great friend. They communicate all the time, mm-hmm. but come come Saturday, the gloves come off. So I feel like McVay. I feel like he's going to sit there and not hold much back because he wants to prove that he is now better than McVay, right? Like you, you for ego's sake. Like that's the mm-hmm. NFL. It's an ego. Sure. It's an ego business. You want to prove that you're better than the guy that made you. I feel like a good scoreline for this is like twenty-two to twenty or something like that. Like it's going to be a, a like a slugfest. Because it's gonna be cold. Rogers is gonna throw. He's gonna get two or three touchdowns, easy peasy. But like, there's gonna be a, a driver to that ends in a field goal. I feel like it, like it has to, you know. Like yeah. he, even even as efficient as he's been being and as MVP MVP caliber as he's being, he's you know the Rams defense is not one to sit and just go oh whatever it's the Rams they'll be you know we'll be fine. Like no they're gonna they're gonna dig their heels in and they're gonna they're gonna stop us and they're gonna make it close. But I feel like the with the way Rodgers and LaFleur have been kicking this year, I mean, it's going to be like a 22-20 or 23-20 or, you know, a field goal type game where it comes down to the last minute. And it may not be a go-ahead field goal in the last minute, but it's like a last-minute stand type thing. And 
the Packers walk away with a win and are are looking ahead to either of of Brady or Breeze coming up to coming up to Lambeau next week. Yeah, I mean that's the exact same score you predicted for the uh, Saints Bears game. I will say that you predicted it to be twenty two to twenty. Uh, yeah, well, I didn't think the Bears <laughs> offense would be as inept as they were. I'm just saying it's it kind of funny that you that you landed on that exact same score for this game. Seems to be a, a pattern with you. Um, and then as far, I mean, from um, from my point of view. I I like the over in this game. Honestly, forty five and a half seems a little low. Um, Even I, with Goff's broken hand, I mean they put up thirty last week with a broken thumb. So why wh- there was a pick six in that game? To be fair, okay. What's to say there's not a pick six in this game? I mean, what's to say their their defense doesn't score? What's to say Cam Akers doesn't have two? Don't manifest down? that, please. I'll manifest whatever <laughs> the hell I want. All right, it's my time. I mean, honestly, I like the over. I don't. I mean, not like crazy over, but I could see. I mean. The Packers put up 40 in the snow against Titans. It happened. I mean, it happens. Like teams, it it's not the Packers have all the weapons available to put up points. And the the Rams, their defense obviously is the best in the league. But I still like the over. I'd say I'm gonna lean. Um, I'll give the pack. I'll give it to the Packers. I'm gonna say um, Packers 35, Rams 20. Four, so not not too far over, but um, I think it's going to be a back and forth game. It'll be a really good one. I think it, honestly, outside of, I mean, you mentioned it. Every game this weekend looks to be like a very good matchup. I'm hoping we have four close games. This could be this could be the best one of the weekend. Starting it off, yeah, yeah. What a way to start it off, right? And I will say, Rogers since 2016 is 10 and 0 in below freezing temperatures. And has a twenty-six to one touchdown to interception ratio. So, yeah, I mean, he could absolutely go out there and throw five or six touchdowns and act like nothing happened. Mm-hmm. That's that's what he's adapted to because he's played for how fucking long in this league, and forever, and all that has been in, at Lambeau. So, I, I, I'm, I like to be conservative as as you alluded to, but I could absolutely see that that the scoreline that you predicted happening thirty, yeah. you know, three or three, four, five touchdowns. And three of them coming from Aaron Aaron Rodgers to Devon to or to yeah Aaron Rodgers to Devontae Adams. Oh, for sure. I mean, um, we've seen it all. I will time. say, Tunyon is going to get open on a fake bubble screen backside slant and going to take it for 20, 25 yards. You can book that now. Um, the Rams defense loves to be aggressive on those fake bubbles. They did it. They did it last week, and they turned it. Like I said, they turned it into a pick six. Mm-hmm. Um, and the Bucks almost did it in that game. So like, it's clearly a play that the Packers can do. I think if if I'm Lafleur, I'm looking for that and trying to exploit it into something different. And I think that's absolutely what happens. I think Tunyon's gonna, you know, it's like a, a you know a wheel route or a screen or a slant route off the backside, and and it'll be a 20, 25 yard gain if not more. Um, it's going to be a fun matchup. These yeah. are two, these are two incredible coaches who know the game very well and know how to adapt very well. And I, I think as long as it's not a blowout, uh, either way, I'll be thoroughly entertained. I'll probably be pissed off if the Packers lose. I'm not probably, I will be pissed off if the Packers lose, but you, you have to sit back at the end of the day. Like these are two of, I mean, two of the guys that I think I look up to as like the most favorite coaches in the game right now. And I will be thoroughly entertained regardless of the result, as long as it's not a blowout. It's, it's a, a matchup we could see for a long time. Matt LaFleur versus Sean McVay. It could turn into that sort of Tomlin versus Belichick sort of deal, or, you know, something along those lines where it's a matchup we see over and over again, where no matter where these guys are, they're leading their teams into positions to be 
Super Bowl contender. So it yeah. should be something where it should be something to look forward to. Uh full slate of games. Let's get a quick give me give me a quick prediction uh for the four games Saturday and Sunday. So we'll start with Packers, obviously. We both picked the Packers. And then Saturday night will be Buffalo versus Ravens. Who do you got in that one? I take the Bills. That team team just feels like the team of destiny right now. I'm glad Lamar got his first playoff win, but Josh Allen is throwing the ball around like it's like I, I don't even know what to say. Like he just he has this innate control right now, and Diggs has been a revelation for him. I take the Bills yeah, all day. I like the Bills too. I I don't see them being able to be slowed down. The Ravens defense is is good, but I think the the Bills offense is better and they'll be cooking and they'll have the crowd behind them. It's going to be a fun. I think that'll be a really fun game to watch. I think that'll be pretty high scoring, but I do like the Bills to pull it out and uh, move on to the AFC championship game. So then we move on to, move on to Sunday. Uh, first game of the afternoon will be the Browns versus the Chiefs in Kansas City. Big matchup. I mean, Huge. Fireworks. I, I'm expecting fireworks. Oh, and, that's going to be the that's gonna be the highest scoring game of the weekend. Yeah, but – as much as I love the Browns and all the things they have brought to the table, I mean, you can't bet against Patrick Mahomes and Travis Kelsey yeah. and Ty- 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 well, or, uh, Tyree Kill and that whole crew. So I'm, that I'm defense going has also been been really stout too, or not stout, but really really sound when they need to be. Mm-hmm. Um, they are they they're last. I mean, they, I think everybody's like un, like underestimating them this year because they're not the exciting Chiefs they were last year, but they're a clinical. Like they're, if you think about like Brady Patriots teams, like they're playing exactly like that. They find a way to win games. They just, they, you know, Mahomes does what he needs to do to get the team ahead. The defense holds on. They it's close, but it's not ever really close because the team's like trying to leak back in the last minute and the chiefs probably win that game. I think it's going to be like a, like it's going to be a shootout. It's going to be like 42 39 or some shit like that. But because the Browns have no defense, we have like four quarterbacks on IR, but corner, not quarter corner backs on IR. Um, And then buck saints to finish it off. You got Brady or Breeze in that one. I like the Bucks, honestly. I don't think the yeah. Saints. We saw the Saints on Sun on Sunday, but I think the Bucks. I mean, they have all the weapons. Tom Brady is going to come out there, and he's not he's not ready to go. He's not ready to say goodbye. And I think they're going to go out there, and I think I think they're going to beat the Saints. I think it's going to be a, a not so fun game to watch at the end of the weekend. I think the Bucks are going to yeah. go out there and and make. Easy, pretty easy work of the Saints, if if I were to say, I'd I say agree. they win by at, by at least ten. Yeah, no, absolutely. The the Bucks are rounding into form at the right time, just like the Packers. Mm-hmm. I will also say, you know, as you've seen with the Browns last week and plenty of other teams, you know, I I don't I I don't know how the Rams Rams Seahawks series across the course of the season split. I feel like the Rams might have taken one from them early. But the Seahawks certainly got the last, the, the second game. But you don't, you don't want to ever face a team three times in a season. Nope. Like that is, that's a death wish. Mm-hmm. And and it's and it's going to happen. The 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 Saints haven't played soundly enough this season to convince me that they can beat this Buccaneers team three times over. Yeah. Um. So I have, I'm absolutely with you. The Bucks, the Bucks win that one for sure. Um. Let's also do if we're on this. I wanted to go. Um. The, give me your your form. I mean, there's plenty of awards to talk about. If we're, we're getting close to NFL um, award season, as that's the night before the Super Bowl, mm-hmm. but let's talk about the four major ones: offensive player, defensive player, MVP, and coach of the year. Who you got? Okay, so offensive player of the year. I mean, we've talked about him all season. I have to go with Devonte Adams. 
uh, Derrick Henry, quick, a close second, but I think Devontae has it. I mean, the numbers speak for themselves. The man missed two games and still scored 18 touchdowns. I, yep. There's nothing else to say. That's, He's the offensive player of the yeah. year. Um, Period. Exclamation yeah, point. End of story. And then when it comes to defensive player of the year, uh, I mean, a guy like DeForest Buckner comes to mind. Ooh, I, I like that. I think he really turned the, the Colts from a good defense to a great defense and mm-hmm. made them into a contender with, I mean, a guy like Phillip Rivers as our quarterback to be to come out there and, you know, make make a difference as they did. Um, I mean, otherwise than that, uh, not many people are coming to mind. Uh, DeForest Buckner, though, is is the guy that, that comes to mind for me. For the MVP, I hate to say it, but it's Aaron Rodgers. He's done everything that he's had. It's the best season of his career, and he's just going to continue to 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 keep doing well until I don't know his arm falls off or something like that. Then I'll then I'll believe, <laughs> then I'll believe he's done. Um, and then for coach of the year, it's a tough one. There's a lot of a lot it's of really this year. Frank Reich with uh oh you know who I got to give it to? I got to give it to Sean McDermott out of out of Buffalo. Sean McDermott. He has really changed the culture there in Buffalo. A team that was very sad for many years and he they took a chance on josh allen we saw how that's worked out um he has turned that team into an offensive juggernaut and he's going to be there for a long time coaching up that those boys so i like that i mean a couple other guys that come to mind like i said frank reich i mean even a guy who didn't make the playoffs in brian flores he's got to get some consideration matt lafleur how can you not have him in there Sean McVay for all he's done there in uh, in Los Angeles with the injuries and everything. Yeah, I mean, there's plenty of good candidates, but I think Sean McDermott is the guy for me. Kevin Stefanski also should be getting some 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 play. Thank you. Yes, should be, he should be getting some play. So yeah, there's there's plenty of good names. I tell you, my four. So I'd say offensively, I'd go as you said, Devonte with Kamara close second. Defensively, I I have to go Donald. Um, yeah. As much as I don't want to say this, I'd have to go TJ Watt close second there. I could see, easily see him eking out eking it out over Donald. He's been, you know, people love to be like, "Oh, well, he didn't do shit and didn't come cl- come through clutch, and they're not in the playoffs anymore." But like that man has been animal. He's haunted the AFC in every game he showed up in. He has like a sack a game. I think I think Garrett would have beaten him out if he didn't get COVID, but that's that did, that he got COVID, so that didn't happen. And then yeah, as you said, MVP is far and away. Uh, Far and away, Aaron Rodgers, although Josh Allen, I think, deserves more votes than Mahomes for runner-up, in my mind. I, I like that. I, that's just how I see it. Um, and then Coach of the Year, going to go full bias here. You named plenty of good names, but for me, it's it's Stefanski. You know, I'm a Browns fan. Going from 0-16 and 6, then the 6-10 and 10 to 11-5 and 5 is a complete role versus turnaround. I like McDermott. I get I get where people are have the argument for him, but they they also made the playoffs last year. So like it's not like you didn't see this coming from him. Stefanski came in and, and immediately reverted that franchise around from zero to hero like right away. And it and it makes me regret that we didn't hire him a year earlier over Freddie Kitchens. But um yeah, I mean it's gonna be an interesting interesting little month here because you got, as you said, we have all the playoff matchups which are blockbuster from start to finish because there's no team there's no team left in the playoffs that you don't want to see win the Super Bowl besides a rivalry right like you obviously would sit here and say Packers but if you take the even you know the the clip they're they're seeing the clip they're playing you could appreciate how they would win a Super Bowl right sure I I, and then beyond that like any other team would be fun because you haven't seen the Ravens win forever it's Lamar 
Josh Allen, Baker Mayfield. Like there's just storylines across the board. And I would, and the biggest thing is somehow even I'd be happy with seeing Brady win a championship because it's not the fucking Patriots. So that's (laughs) like, it's not the Patriots. Very true. You know, and Breeze retire on top, win a Super Bowl. Like you could, you know, it would suck to see an NFC team that's not the Packers be on the Super Bowl podium, but I don't know. I mean, it's just it's going to be a great end of the end of the NFL season. Yeah. We've somehow gotten from didn't even know if we're half a season to a spectacular. Yeah, season. it's so. uh, it's really all come together, and I'm I'm excited to see it's we're gonna have a great weekend of football ahead of us. And I mean, as far as everything as as far as that goes, I think that's all we've got for this week's episode. We have shoved football down your throat. I hope you like it. Um, <laughs> well. And if you don't, we're not sorry. Yeah, we're not sorry. I mean, it's it's the it's that time of the year, and it, it's everything that's on our mind. Also, before I, before we go, I wanted to say another guy who came to mind for my defensive player of the year, uh, Xavier Howard from the Miami. Dolphins. Oh yeah, and intercept. He's definitely interception. He's leading the NFL in, in picks. Um, one of the best corners in the NFL. So. Imagine what that defense could have been if Minka just decided to stay for a goddamn another year. Unbelievable, but. I mean, as far as everything goes, looking forward to a great weekend of football. Looking forward to the Bears just disappointing me continuously, as as all Chicago <laughs> franchises do. Um, I say, the other sports are coming: baseball and and basketball and hockey. We'll we'll get into that as the oh, winter wears on here, oh, because whoopee. once football ends, there's there's four. Yeah, right. Whoopee for you. There's once baseball or once football ends, there's four more months of misery until the draft resumes. So we'll have plenty to talk oh, about. I can't wait. Which. What mediocre baseball signing will it be this week? <laughs> oh, don't even get me started. Uh, we'll we'll get into that as we as we go forward. But we wanted to thank everyone for listening. You know, make sure to like and subscribe. Make sure to you can listen to us anywhere you find podcasts. We are literally everywhere. You can follow us on Twitter, Instagram. Uh, that'll be in the description. And again, thanks for listening. And make sure to share with the people in your life. And we appreciate it. If you don't share with at least one friend, you're not our friend. He said it. He said it. <laughs> the ground rules have been made. But, <laughs> you know, as always, <laughs> thanks for listening, everyone. Uh, for Evan, this is Frank. The, we are the Warren 94 podcast, and we'll talk to you later. Peace out. <laughs>